actually it was January 15th, 2010, I ended up losing everything. I lost $3 million on a deal with my best friend. Mm. And that caused me, the business to completely implode. All of my customers rushed away from me. Uh, I, I was catastrophically lost as a, as a leader, as a person. I lost the business, I lost my savings, I lost my income, I lost my house, I lost my sense of confidence, I lost identity. I just, I, I struggled to even feel to be human. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, today's episode is very interesting. The journey of our guest, Gene Hammett, is extremely interesting. You, you'll want, you just want to listen to the whole show. He will talk about uh, his great success, but also the story of losing it all not that long ago and in him building himself back up and the courage that it took to get there. I suspect almost everybody listening at some time or another had a devastating or a challenging event happen in their life. It's said, you know, am I ever gonna get out on the other side? Or maybe you're going through that right now. Well, this show is going to help you. The other thing is Gene is an expert in leadership. He's written the book, The Trap of Success, he has a podcast, Leaders in the Trenches. And now Gene, what his expertise is really helping individuals, teams, and organizations to establish a winning and successful culture. You'll be shocked when you get in the middle of the show about the level of percentage improvement of success financially these companies have when you have a culture of engagement in ownership. But also Gene's story is fascinating. Now, as we talk about in many shows, we talk about self-awareness and that is a core of one of the offerings or I'll call it focuses that Gene has. So my encouragement is one of the best sources for you for self-awareness is the Synergy suite of tools in developing your whole self. So I just wanna encourage you, if you haven't taken our personal style indicator or values assessment, and then there's something that's different that most people don't other offer is our stress indicator and health planner. You know, it doesn't matter that I know my leadership or like who I am personality-wise and my, wise and my values if my health sucks. So my encouragement is, is that you would look at these, go to crgleader.com and or if you are interested in how we might be able to serve you personally as a speaker, consultant or coach, then you can go to kenkeys, K-E-I-S.com and you can find out more and just reach out to us and we'll respond uh, thank to Thank you. you for sharing the show, letting other people know about it. Uh, if you have time and it's very much appreciated to leave a uh rating and some a review and whatever platform you are listening in. Thank you again for being part of the SOS community. And here's your show with Gene Hammett. Well, each week we want to have guests that serve you, the listener, in some form or another for leadership strategies, wellness, success strategies, and today is no exception. I mean, he has a top podcast on leadership. He has a best-selling book, and we want to welcome Gene Hammett to the show. Gene? Thanks for having me, Ken. 
Okay, well, it's a pleasure, Gene. And so you have your best-selling author of The Trap of Success. You have a number one show, Leaders, Leaders in the Trenches. So congratulations on all that success. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, there's a lot of work behind all that. <laughs> Leaders in the Trenches have been going on almost four years. Uh, doesn't it? Don't you just have success where you just show up, Gene, and it just sort of happens, and you're just lucky? You know, I actually did have that in my first entrepreneurial venture. It was, everything just seemed to work. Um, I'm not saying everything was perfect, but I just, I I took it to a million dollars the first year. Wow. Well, we're going to come to that story here in a minute. So Gene, I want to back up. And as we do for most of the listeners know, I like to, to have the listeners know the guests from their story. So Gene, where did you grow up? What's sort of your background of your growing up years in elementary school and high school years? So small town living, about 30, 40 minutes south of downtown Atlanta. Okay. So in the Carolinas area and Georgia area. Uh, Yeah, Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta, Georgia. And so when we think about that, what was the family growing up? Like, what did your parents do for a living? My dad worked for Delta for 31 years. And so we, we lived close to the airport because he was at the airport a good bit. And then my mom was an, uh, a, an office manager of a real estate company for 27 years and did something else for something before that when I was just a kid. But uh, I, w- I would say I grew up kind of like an only child, but I have two older brothers that were eight and 10 years older than me. Mm. So once you get to that eight or 10 year period, then it is an only child. So do your older brothers believe that you are spoiled? They still believe that. (laughs) Of course, of course. So what was the environment you grew up in? Was it supportive or, you know, what, what was sort of the dynamics growing up in your family? The way I can best describe it is, is extremely supportive and loving, but yet what I thought was missing, and I know this is kind of, because a lot of people have really bad childhoods and, and I just, I, I totally understand that that can be difficult, but I loved my parents. They loved me back, but they never really pushed me to be excellent in anything. I just, mm-hmm. I did fine. And they just let me be fine with all this stuff I did. And uh, I really wish they would have challenged me a little bit more. Mm. So for those of you that are parents out there, kind of coddling your kids, we're not sure if that is the perfect approach to parenting. Uh, I would say that's definitely not the perfect approach. (laughs) (laughs) And having two children who are now 22 and 23, Gene, I get that. I understand that perfectly and with my parents as well. So, Gene, after high school, what, what was your journey? Did you go to college or what happened there? Yeah, I did. I ended up going to Georgia Tech and uh, I thought I wanted to be an engineer and I ended up studying engineering and did four years. Um, I finished in under four years, which is kind of a five-year program. I really just wanted to get out and start making money. So I went as fast as I could. I went to every summer and graduated before the four years was up. Wow. And so what do you think prompted you to go towards engineering? You said, I thought I was interested. How did that sort of percolate? I knew it was a good degree. I, you know, I just really wasn't sure like what you would do day in and day out. Um, I, w- I visited a few plants. I was an industrial engineer, which is a lot about manufacturing. And uh, I visited those plants. And I said, you know, I'm not going back to rural America. I'm living in downtown. I want to stay here. I'm a big city guy. So I turned down a couple of those engineering jobs and I ended up taking a job in consulting, management consulting for about 
five, $6,000 less than what I could have made as an engineer. Mm. And what was that management consulting? Was that in the, your engineering expertise or something completely different? Uh, completely different. It was, uh, I did mergers and acquisitions as a part of the work that we did. Uh, we had a London-based office that had all these these big high activity uh, mergers and acquisitions going on. And I did the US-based research. And the other aspect, which is probably about 70% of our work was electric utility. So I didn't train for that in school, but I was um, asked to do a lot of research. I ended up writing three books, three and a half books, because I had a co-author on one of the books um, in, before I was 25. Wow. Where did that come from? Like all of a sudden you're doing management consulting, you trained as an engineer. How did this opportunity unfold in front of you? As most things do, it's, it's, not, uh, it's not about what you know, it's about who you know. So I had reached out to one of my professors and said, I'm looking for a job. And he says, my next door neighbor actually went to Georgia Tech. She graduated uh, as an industrial engineer. So you kind of got that, that together. And uh, she's looking for someone do you want an interview? And I said, sure, let's do it. And so it was a very short process, maybe like one interview or two interviews and, and I got the job. Well, well, congratulations on that. And then these books before you're 25, did you consider yourself a writer before these books were sort of thrust into your space? What's the opposite of a writer? <laughs> that, would, that would be a better description, Ken, because I, what, what would that word be? What would you use, Gene? Struggling. Uh, <laughs> um, a lot of editing with, with my boss going, why would you put this together? This doesn't make sense. Uh, so I really had to work at it. I, it, I grew up as an engineer. My, my background is very much numbers based. A lot of the schools in, or classes in school didn't require me to write a lot. Mm -hmm. um, it's not that I couldn't write it, but it just, it wasn't my strong suit. So I, it really forced me to slow down, read it. I was, I was having to work maybe 18 hours sometimes because I was, I was just having to put in the extra hours to, to bring up that skill. Mm. Well, I get it. Most of the SOS listeners have heard my story where my grade nine teacher said I would never amount to anything because I couldn't read or write. Uh, they discovered later during my master's degree that I'm dyslexic, Gene, so I get that. And now I've written over four million words of content. So uh, I'm like you, go figure. Never when I was 16 did I ever think that I would be a writer. Like, like, what's the opposite? I don't know. It's called never be a writer, I guess. <laughs> so with that, with that, Gene, uh, congratulations on that. So now you're this management consultant, but we have on your bio that you've had all, you're a serial entrepreneur and you've had all these different businesses. What happened next after this company and being this management? So this was mid nineties and, and what was going on in the mid nineties was the internet was really just starting to perk up. And I had done a few projects where we were researching how internet was going to impact the businesses. And I remember one company had invested over a million dollars into this and they were going to put set top boxes in the home. The data was going to flow through the electric utility wires, which you can do that, but you can't get much data through there. And I said, you, you know, what are you guys doing going to do about the internet where it's going to be a little bit more uh, faster and more options? And they're like, well, what do you mean? And I was, came back to them with this research about what was happening with AOL and what was happening with people buying online. And that was mid nineties. And I was like, you know what? I was really getting tired of that job. I wasn't growing as fast as I wanted to. So I said, I want to get into the technology side of the internet. So I ended up getting a job with Coopers and Libran, big, mm -hmm. huge management consulting company. And uh, I, I did a few projects there in the technology world, 
but not in the internet technology like I wanted. Well, don't you find it fascinating, uh, fascinating, Gene? I got in this industry 30 years ago. It's actually my 30th anniversary this year. But when I first started, like you, there are some people listening. You know, there was a life before the internet. In the 90s, I was flying from the West Coast to the East Coast because there wasn't email to do our work. So I was commuting to Detroit from Vancouver for a year because there was no internet. But here we are today doing a interview. You are on the East Coast. I'm on the West Coast. Don't you find that fascinating how life has tra- changed in that, in that it's space? Just, it's become natural to us now. If we didn't have this, we'd be frustrated. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so you move over to this management consulting firm. You want to do this internet consulting or sort of focus, but that doesn't come to fruition. So then what? Well, they end up just putting you on jobs that, that they can charge money for you, which I understand that's the business. And there's, you know, thousands of these kids running around like me because I was 26 years old and I was, uh, doing all these kind of projects I didn't want to do, but I was still learning technology. Now I kept asking for internet related projects and they wouldn't give it to me. So after almost three years, I finally said, look, I've had it. I'm going to work for an internet company. If you can't put me on a project and they said, give us a few more months. I, I, 30 days. I, I just couldn't take it anymore. I had one interview with a local Atlanta company that was doing e-commerce. And that one e-commerce company was an internet company in the startup world. And I got the job and said, I'm out of here. So I ended up working for this, uh, this kind of dot-com and that startup, that end of two, it was 1999 when I started. So you remember what was happening there in the internet? Mm. Wow. Wow. That was, now, how did you feel about the risk-taking to go to a company that probably wasn't as fiscally stable? I was excited. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Crazy entrepreneur. So let's accelerate the story a little bit and just say, so now you're in this internet space. What, what was sort of the progression there to become a serial entrepreneur? So I was in the um, project management side of that business, we were, we were installing the projects that we sold and I saw there was an opportunity to get into sales. So I'd had the management consulting, I'd had the IT background and I was working in a technology company, but in sales. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is the perfect, you know, everything was about aligning the skills to be an entrepreneur. And so I did that for about three years and 9-11 comes, so 2001, mm-hmm. everything changes. But I was like, I've got the skills. The last nine years or 10 years of my life, I've been preparing for this. I don't have an idea, but I'm ready to go. I had, a, I think, about a $35,000 check, Ken, and I said, I am ready to start this journey. Mm. And so then you just jumped into this ocean. Then what? Well, I had been selling e-commerce at enterprise level accounts, so large Fortune 1000 kind of companies, and we were uh, putting the technology in place so that we could, uh, they could sell their products online. And at the time, I, I had a background, I, you know, kind of this entrepreneur thing has always been part of what I do. When I was in high school, I bought and sold concert tickets. And those concert tickets was able to, you know, is that called a scalper? Isn't that called a scalper? It's called a scalper in some cases. Um, <laughs> and I, I've joked with people once I, and I ended up starting a business in the, in the, it, I ended up calling it the international sports tour business. 
Um, it was called Event Marketplace and had another business called Action Seating. But those businesses were really focused on sports because I zeroed in on the most profitable segments of the market for me. And I was no longer a scalper. I was a ticket broker and I was mm-hmm. brokering these large concerts and large sporting events, the biggest in the world. And we were wow. doing about $5 million after a couple of years. What? You just, you failed to mention that earlier that you were just kind of doing that while you were in college. Well, I was doing that in college, but when I started the business, so I, maybe I didn't explain the, the, what happened there. I had done it through high school and college just to kind of like as a hobby, um, little extra money, but I put it down for a while when I was in corporate America, I didn't do it at all. Okay, and sorry. then I, when I came back to, to start something online, Ken, I came back with the idea, you know, people are buying things online. I'm going to sell tickets online. So I wasn't the first person to sell tickets online, but I was one of the first people to come in with an enterprise view of what e-commerce was. And, you know, within setting up my website, you know, it was so early then I was getting sales within the first like three or four days. Wow. Wow. And of course, the internet wasn't as crowded then as far as sites that were up. You were in its infancy. You know, most people don't realize it's just 20 years old, really, as far as it being commercialized. So congratulations on that, Gene, and all that success with that. So then what happened after that? I ended up staying in an industry for about nine years. It, it took, it challenged me in many ways because I had a lot of skills, but I didn't really have the leadership skills I needed to grow a business like that. I had about 15 employees. There was a lot of kind of things that needed to be done. And I had put myself in the middle of doing them all instead of really building out the structure and systems for growth. And so I felt that pressure and I felt stress every day. I wasn't really big into tickets. I didn't, I don't really watch that much in sports. So it wasn't a passion of mine like it is for a lot of people, but I was able to continue growing that. Uh, I kind of, after about five years, I kind of streamlined it to the point where I had the right people in place. I had the right customers. I was making as much money as I wanted to make. And I kept thinking about making more kind of innovating inside this space, but I was too scared. I look back at it now and go, you just really stop evolving and growing as a leader and as a business. Mm. Now it's interesting because now your work is really around leadership and culture and equipping people to win. What do you think were the gaps that you were experiencing then and that of course now probably you've transferred into your current work that were occurring for you as an entrepreneurial leader with, you know, 10, 12, 15 employees, what was missing and what would our listeners, many who are entrepreneurs, not everybody that, that would help us to understand the dynamics of what was going on. I usually look at this from three different perspectives. And the first one is you, you as the leader and, and the skills that I, I needed to have and the confidence in myself, I just did not develop. I was doing business, I was making money, but I didn't have a clear sense of who I was. My, my core identity was, had not formed yet as a leader. So I was just showing up every day, kind of more like a firefighter than anything else. Just like mm. point me in the direction, let me just solve problems. And that really does limit your growth because if you are the one solving all these problems, other people aren't getting the experience to solve them. So they're not growing up to support you. They're just doing the other work that you ask them to do. Make right. sense? Yeah, it makes complete sense. The second Absolutely. piece behind that is the team. Is it's, you know, I had to hire a lot of people. I had to fire a lot of people. I had to develop those people. And how that 
you build the team matters and that team and, and you together define the culture of the business. And the other piece behind that is the, the systems, the systems that grow your business are so important because I think about the way my podcast run, it's a system. Your podcast probably runs more like a system. If it didn't run like a system, I wouldn't be doing it for four years. Mm-hmm. My writing for Inc. Magazine, when I write an article now, it's a system that gives, goes through this. It, goes, it has different people involved besides just me. And those are the important pieces to it. So when you get you right, you get the team right, and you get the systems in the business, there's nothing that can't stop you. I mean, any, any changes that are coming in fast, everyone's meeting those changes. They're evolving. And that's the key to growth uh, as I see it. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to get into that. And thank you, Gene, for that around that component. But just a sidebar is, you know, as we're growing our own podcast, we, we're just in the middle of fine tuning those systems and how important it is. And if you don't have them where things get dropped or forgotten or missed or just is so important, otherwise it's so labor intensive and even burdensome to do it. Absolutely. And that's, you know, it's like that everywhere. And I felt that stress growing my first business um, until I got the system. So I got the right team until I had gotten some coaching in that first business. And, and one key question rings through, and this was almost 20 years ago, which was, who are your most profitable customers? And I couldn't answer that. And that one question put me on a search of how do I streamline my business to point it toward the most profitable customers that allow me to create a business that's real value and it grows over time and align all of the, the people and all the systems around that. And that's what I end up doing to get that business to 5 million and to make it more of a lifestyle kind of approach to business. Mm-hmm. Rather than the business owning you, you own the business. Exactly. I mean, it, it, you know, I can I can make it look really good, but I could also tell you I wanted once I had gotten to that point, I wanted to use the technology that the internet was was exploding at the time. This is this is around 2008, 2009, 2010 to do something really different and to really create more of a marketplace um, for tickets. And I kept talking about it, but I wouldn't let myself do it. I, I had, you know, certain technology skills that I could have done this. I, I had money to invest, but I just, I kept holding back. And that is one of the things, that's the reason I wrote the book, The Trap of Success, because I was making so much money. I wouldn't allow myself to continue to evolve. And that I was just drifting along and that's, that's dangerous. Gene, explain that to me. And, and by the way, listeners, uh, Gene's book is available online. So the trap of success is, what do you mean I wouldn't allow myself? What, what, what was sort of behind that? So I remember, you know, all of the times I would think about it. I would talk about it. I would do diagrams. I would, I would create interfaces because I've done computer interface design before. And I was like, you know, I want to streamline this. Um, it was a little bit before mobile when I started this, you know, but I was thinking about how things would be evolving mobile wise. And I thought about it, talked about it, but I wouldn't let myself really take it much further. And when I was in a place where the business was doing 500,000 or 500 million a year, I was doing about 10% gross profit. And so I was taking home hundreds of thousands of dollars and I wouldn't let myself keep do any of those investments. I just didn't have the courage. I was afraid. I had doubt and I just wouldn't, I didn't want to let go of what I'd already built to create something new. 
Mm. You know, interesting, Gene. I suspect the people that knew you that were around you would have never guessed that you were thinking or feeling that. I I know, but my wife did say, "Why do you why do you talk about this so much? Why don't you just do it?" And I had to get real with myself and go, "Well, I don't have this or I don't have that. I was just making up excuses. I wasn't really accepting responsibility. I had not evolved as the leader that I am today about understanding the importance of not blaming someone else. I was quick to point somewhere else Mm. so that that had the power over me. And I really was not growing beyond that. Uh, There was something very traumatic that happened in my life. And that's, that's kind of where the book kind of opens, but that's where that part of my life in the ticket business ended very abruptly, and I end up starting a new journey, which is the journey I'm on now that that we're talking about the leadership and culture. Mm. Well, let's talk about that traumatic event if you're open to, and let's transition into your current work today. Sure. the The short version of it is is you know, December, or actually it was January fifteenth, two thousand ten. So as we record this, it's about what nine years away. Um, I end up losing everything. I lost $3 million on a deal with my best friend. Mm. And that caused me the business to completely implode. All of my customers rushed away from me. Uh, I, I was catastrophically lost as a, as a leader, as a person. I lost the business. I lost my savings. I lost my income. I lost my house. I lost my sense of confidence. I lost identity. I just, I, I struggle to even feel to be human at times. Mm. Isn't it interesting though, those of us that have been in this business where this occurs or what happens, looking back, could you have sort of foreseen that this was possible? Of course, we always sort of second guess ourselves and hindsight is twenty twenty, and it's, it's a great uh, gift, but it doesn't help us in the future. The losing money part, I I sense, you know, I kind of looked at what was my risk in this, but I was not evaluating everything. Um, the hard part was my wife literally said to me on multiple occasions, I'm not sure if this deal's okay. And then it kind of gotten stronger to, I really don't know if we should do this deal or I don't want you to do this deal. And so it, it got to the point where I had to like overrule her. And that was very detrimental to, to my overall life. You know, if I wanted to continue that business, because I didn't know I would lose everything. I didn't see that side. I trusted this, my friend so much. Um, but looking back, I can see that, that I did miss some signals. I did, I did go in kind of blindly. Um, but I also know that it was one of the best things that, that happened to me. Um, it took a while to get, to be able to really accept that, but it did change me. It, It did put me in a new direction. And that's, you know, I love the work I do right now. It's one of the, it's, amazing that I get to do what I do right now. Mm. Well, thank you, Gene, for being uh, uh, open and authentic and sharing that with us. You know, as um, an individual or listeners, we've all had challenges in life, but how we respond to them is obviously in a critical uh, tipping point or redirection point. So you blast everything. Now you're in this space of really helping to develop others, to develop others and to grow their business and to lead others. Uh, where was this transition out of this sort of pit into this new space? It, it was very early on. This was before I actually went into um, 
like any of the legal fight to get my money back, which we ended up settling out of court on that four and a half years later. Um, I ended up doing bankruptcy because of all, my personal name was tied to a lot of this stuff. But a few weeks after this, so, you know, I was really thinking about why was I in this place and what was important to me and, and literally looking at my money being ripped away from me like that. I said, I want to focus on something that can never be changed which is my ability to help others. And I mentioned earlier, I had a coach um, in 2002, I think it was, where she asked me, your most profitable customers. And that question was a series of other things and work we did. So that her being the coach to me, I felt like understood. I felt like I could grow through that experience. And so I, I reached out back to, to this coach and I said, you know, I just lost $3 million. This business is, you know, was my life. And I don't know where to go from here. I think I want to coach others, but who's going to trust me because I just lost this money. Mm. And how did you deal with that challenge? I, she, I, I listened to her. She goes, you know what? Everybody I know has been through hard times. This is just one of your hard times. In fact, you probably haven't been through a time that's anything like this before. And I, and I agreed. And she said, this will be something that you will be able to use to guide others, either away from things like this or just through that. And it will be something that you can um, not have to run away from, that you can actually embrace and it can actually change you. And so I began to feel like, I had some hope and that began the process of me becoming a coach. Now I had to get a job for a couple of years. I was in sales. I was a VP of sales for a company. We sold the company and I was driving that team and I was you know, using these leadership skills then and the coaching skills and it was really helping. And I said, you know, I want to do this on my own. So that was 2012. And so I was, uh, started becoming a speaker and started to really get my message out there working with companies. I was having some great success. Um, still a lot of struggle with money coming in, but my, my clients were just exploding with uh, success and, and hitting new milestones for revenue. And I just got so excited about what I was doing. I, I figured out how to make it work for me and for my clients. And that has been the, the ride I've been on for the last like six years. Mm -hmm. And congratulations, Gene, uh, on that. Um, many speakers have been in this industry now for 30 years. Your, your rise to success in the speaking or training industry is actually pretty accelerated and significant. Uh, many people, it takes more, a lot more years than that. I don't feel like that, Ken. <laughs> if you, if you had told me it was going to take two years for me to get back on my feet, I would have... I would have probably wanted to slap you, um, <laughs> but I, I have been through a lot. Like I had to watch my clients grow when I was struggling and that's really uncomfortable. And that, that really tested who I was and I had to grow. And, and so one of the big things that, you know, I, I mentioned before, I wasn't growing and evolving because I talked about something I wanted to do and I wasn't doing it now. Everything is about how do I look for opportunities to grow and how do I have the courage? My challenge now is, is to you know, strip away these opportunities and really focus on the best ones for me. And I have to say no to a lot of good things. And that's so hard. That's, 
<laughs> I get that. Uh, and congratulations on that. And yes, I know you would have slapped me, uh, but the reality is, is that uh, congratulations on, on going where you are so quickly. You know, with that, let's just jump into the trap of success. Um, what is it you're trying to teach us as the reader of your latest book and best-selling book? Here's the simple. The simple premise of this book, uh, it took a while to really present it for itself, but there are so many of us that are chasing success and they think that that is a gateway. Once I create success, once I have something, once I get a million dollars or once I have you know, the, the house, the car, whatever it is, then I will be able to do something else. I will be able to give to others. I will be able to create significance in our world. So we look at this, this journey of success and significance as a linear one. You must have the success first, then you go create significance. What I've noticed, and I've, I've watched other people do this, it was easier to watch others than me, and then I watched <laughs> myself go through the, the ups and downs of building the second business, or maybe it's the third business. But this business, I found out that they don't have a linear aspect, they have a way of dancing together. So the way that success and significance work together really does change the person. And if you have both of them, you really can weather the storms, you really can push forward and grow, you know, exponentially. And that's kind of the key of the book. Mm. And, you know, it's interesting. I think, you know, Dr. Marshall Goldsmith, and he talks about it as the Western disease. Uh, when I get there, then I'll be and he said, well, you never get there. You're always, it's an active tense word. So uh, congratulations on really that insight. Now, Gene, what are you now wanting to teach me as a leader in your acclaim, uh, I won't say necessarily to fame, but to success now, uh, yourself? What are you teaching the leaders and companies and organizations to go to this n next level? What's in the trap of success to realize my potential? Um, in the book is, is really the core message is around the courage to be who you are and to, to really create what you want. And, you know, I had the, the benefit of losing everything to look back at my world and where I was going. And I was not happy with what I was seeing, but I, I did have the courage to change that. I did overcome the fear. I did get clear about where I was going and what I was here to do and who I was impacting and leaders that I work with, when they get clear on that and they see that they can be even more courageous than they ever thought before, because at the time, no one would have thought I wasn't courageous. They would have thought, oh, you have a $5 million business. You're doing this, this, and this. It, but I was living inside is just a shadow of myself. Mm -hmm. And so this book really does help activate people to go beyond the fear to push and create something. Um, and that's really the key is to keep evolving. And that's, that's the core message of the book. My work now has evolved beyond that into real core leadership and, and culture skills. But that is, um, that is really the trap of success. Is there any, I'll call it inside or piece of wisdom around how do I tap into this courage? How do I even find that? Well, I think it's everywhere, right? That fear of, you know, will I, will this work out? Will I fail? It all comes back to the fear of what other people think of us. Because if you really think about it, 
all those times, the fear of failure really comes back. Well, what will people think? What will my wife think? Or what my friends think? Or what would my clients think? And you got to just recognize what that fear is and, and, and really embrace it. Like, I'm not saying over, you know, running over like a bulldozer or anything like that. I'm just like, where, where is the fear? Where does it come from? That's the reason I put as much into the book that's really different than most books. It's very kind of brutally candid about uh, some of the things I struggled with. But I ask you to think about where your fears are really coming from. And if you can have the strength and vulnerability to do that, you can actually start to build courage to move forward. Because once you understand them, then you move forward. But most people just want to just keep moving. And they keep moving, but only incrementally growing. Whereas when you tap into that courage, you can actually explode your growth and your own identity of who you are. It's interesting. Thank you, Gene. Isn't it interesting that the word authentic has been used quite a bit recently, that that's what you're talking about. Could I really be authentic? And you use another word, vulnerable. Uh, could I be that way and still be okay? Well, we think it's it's uh, a sign of weakness to be vulnerable, or we think that we are authentic. But when you get really challenged, we're putting on some kind of mask to be that way for that moment. And I'm not saying that we don't, you know, call upon you know different things and and, and act in different ways around different people. But are you truly being yourself? And I've had to really tap into this. Like, this is a big part. If I go back to the model that we talked about before, you, team, and systems, the you really is critical to your growth. You are really a linchpin inside of the growth of the company. And Mm. you have to recognize that how you see yourself impacts how the team sees themselves and sees you as well. Mm. Mm. Well, that's powerful stuff for sure. Now, we only have a few minutes left, Gene, and, and, um, but I, d- I didn't want to miss the importance of your latest work about establishing these powerful growth cultures in leadership. What can you share with us there in the few minutes we have left? So about three years ago, I had a few clients that had made the Inc. 5000. So I was happy enough with their success to grow so fast that they were recognized by Inc. as one of the fastest growing companies in the world or in North America. So I um, started getting curious around what other companies were doing. Like what are the strategies that we just used really the ones that are working across all these fast-growing companies. So I interviewed 51 of these uh, CEOs. On average, those 51 CEOs had grown their companies 2,731% over three years. Wow. Wow. And I asked them about their marketing and their sales, and I asked them about all of the strategies that I thought were important. And it turned out those were important, but there was no real core uh, factors or really um, that led to fast growth companies. What ended up being the real key was the leadership. And that leadership was very specific. And in, in what my notes and research came out of this was leadership that inspired people to, to think and feel like owners in the company. And even if they don't have a stake in the company, even if they're not getting profit sharing, even if they're not getting commissions like salespeople, People can still feel like someone cares. 
They can feel like they have ownership into what they're doing. They can still give amazing results and have incredible energy that they give to the organization and they receive from the organization so that they know that when they go to work, they love what they're doing. And the companies that do that more effectively are basically ones that are, have a strong culture. And that's the core of my work right now. Fast growth comes not just from marketing and sales strategies, but from leadership and culture that really inspires ownership. And that's what really excites me. That's what I talk about on stages. That's what I write about for Inc. Magazine. That's what I work with my clients on. And it is just got me bubbling inside of excitement about what I can do with this uh, long-term. And it's interesting, Gene, just to affirm you, is, isn't that where the highest level of contribution in terms of creating and establishing a space where I can have meaning personally in that my significance matters and that that is the highest level of contribution, I think, to humanity is where I can really help you to be you? Yeah, when I didn't really space. explain this before. Like, you know, success is that focus is on what you get. And what I think significance is about what you give and the feelings that you have through that. So um, it really is amazing to be able to see people who can connect to it and, and, and not only feel it for themselves, but they can actually let others in the organization feel significance. And if you have that on a consistent basis, you really are have something special inside the companies. And we've all probably seen those companies. Um, if you've had the, the, the joy of working in them, you probably didn't quit because the retention rate for fast growth companies is the number that they, they care about the most, even though revenue is how they get judged for the, these, these things. Right. Retention is virtually nil because no one wants to leave. Mm, mm, powerful. Um, what are, and before we get into the end of the show, what are one or two things that I can consider if I'm listening to this show right now, even if I have a little micro business that I could embrace to start inspiring and moving towards this powerful culture? Well, if you're in a micro business, so I, technically, or even I guess, a large one, <laughs> yeah, under nine employees would be a micro business. Um, you know, if you have two to nine employees, you're, you're, you're not very big, but as soon as you start hiring people, you can start getting them to feel like owners. Now, you may have a partner who actually does have ownership. They show up differently for work. So my suggestion would be, no matter where you are in the scheme of leadership, if you could have conversations with people to understand what's going on with them. And two questions I'll give the audience here to just really make this very actionable is ask them, them, the first one would be, what do I need to know about you to help you with whatever you're struggling with? And this could be about work, but it could also could be outside of work. So that's the first question. And the, the second question is, what could I do as a leader to help you grow? Say them both again, Gene, so the listeners who are driving will uh, anchor it or they can just rewind the course. So the first one is asking them, what do I need to know about you, about what's going on in your life? And it could be business. It could be personal. I, and then I'll give you an, an, another reason why that's so important. But the second question is, as a leader, what could I do to help you grow? 
because if you help people feel like they're growing, like they're getting a new skill, they're adding a new value, they're going to be more engaged about coming to work. And it's not just about making more money. It's about how they're growing inside. Mm. Mm. Powerful stuff. I can't agree more, Gene. You have a fan here, uh, a colleague who, you know, it's not necessarily easy to do, but very, very important to do uh, for individuals out there. In final question, I think we could go on like for several hours and, and you're just being a depth of wisdom for us today, Gene is what do you think blocks people from going to this kind of space? The space of like the courage you know, being openness and saying, you know, what, what about your life? And so, well, that's all that personal stuff. I don't need to be talking about that. Or, you know, what do I need to do to, uh, to help you grow as a it's, leader? I, I have these conversations all the time where someone says, you know, I don't need to get in their personal life. Now, I will tell you that when I lost everything, I had a job and I had, I had some you know, good leaders do that. Not a single one of them ever sat down with me and said, Hey, you know, I know you've been going through a lot with your, your legal battle. Is there anything that, that you want to talk about with me? No one ever asked that question. Now, did it hurt me as a leader? No, cause I was going to do my job anyway, but had they done it, I would have felt a little bit more connected, like they really understood me and they really cared, but they missed that opportunity. So I really feel like, you know, maybe I've gotten off track here, but you really want to have your employees feel like you care for them. Mm-hmm. And what gets in the way is just your own, frankly, your bullshit that they don't need it. Like this is the place of work or some other, um, limiting belief that you have that keeps you from really connecting as deeply as you could. And that's the key to getting them to feel like owners. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Gene, for that. Now, Gene, how can people find out about your work? If they want to find out about what you do, your books, where would you want to direct them? Well, everything lives at genehammett.com. Uh, being a professional speaker now, I had to bring everything under house. So the Leaders in Trenches podcast is on genehammett.com. You can still find it if you Google Leaders in the Trenches. Uh, I write for Inc. Magazine, so we're writing six articles a month. And wow. uh, so you can read any of those things around leadership and culture and share them, if you will. And uh, all the social channels, it's Gene Hammett. So uh, pretty easy to find me. If you Google those names, you'll be able to find me. If you just really interested in growing your company, I'd love for you to, to engage with some of the content we create and check us out the podcast. And if you're listening to this show, we'll put Gene's uh, URL in the show notes for you. Now, Gene, you've been delightful. You've been awesome. So thank you for spending time and sharing with the SOS listeners. Absolutely. A pleasure to be here. Well, SOS listeners, uh, Gene Hammett, you know, really his journey, it's, it's for all of us to kind of reflect on what is it that we can overcome? What courage or courageous decision, pardon me, can you take today? to go to the next level that you've been thinking about that you haven't decided to go forward on. You know what? You can do it. And what can we do as leaders to have ownership or a culture that really is being caring and authentic and true to ourselves so that how would you like to be treated as well? Well, we thank you for taking the most valuable commodity that you have, and that's your time to spend it with us today. If you like what we're doing, please share, pass it on. Thank you for listening to Secrets of Success. 
I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Thanks for exploring the secrets of success with us. If you want to keep the momentum going, log on to crgleader.com. Scroll to the bottom and sign up for our inspirational emails. You can also take your success to the next level by following us on Facebook and Twitter and connecting with Ken on LinkedIn. We hope you have a great week and look forward to you joining us next time for the Secrets of Success podcast with Dr. Ken Keyes.